Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. for us layman people that we really just need it real simple. Say, say it real simple. So I'll say it like this. Knowledge is knowing that the street you are crossing is a one-way street. That's knowledge. You pull up, you see a sign that says one way. Now I know that this street is one way. Wisdom is understanding that just because it's a one-way street doesn't mean that you don't have to look both ways before you cross it. You know why? Because wisdom tells us that not everybody follows the rules, right? And you can't say, well, it's a one-way street, so I'm not concerned about what may be coming from that way. No, wisdom doesn't say, well, the the sign says one way, so it's got to be one way, so I'm not going to look the other way because there should be nothing coming. Wisdom says there might be something coming. You might want to look, right? How many people or how many of you have even said that, that, that something has, has bitten me before because I said it shouldn't happen, but it did happen, right? And, and this is a, a more sad situation, but it's, it's one of the best analogies I can come up with. How many people have been shot with a gun that wasn't loaded, right? Knowledge says I unloaded the gun. There's, no, there's nothing in the gun. Wisdom says I'm going to treat it like it's always loaded, Right? That's wisdom. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom, right? So, as believers, we don't necessarily need more knowledge, but we're in desperate need of wisdom. I want to say that again because that may sound contrary or it might even get up against you, but I believe as, as believers, as Christians, we don't necessarily need more knowledge, but we are in desperate need of more wisdom. Do you know you're probably the most knowledgeable generation that's ever been concerning the Bible? And the reason why is because you have so much more access to the Bible. But do you also know that there are countries and there are places where the Bible is outlawed that there's a group of people that will suck so much more wisdom from one torn piece of the Bible than you probably ever have in your whole lifetime of having it all access to you? There are people that literally trade pieces of the Bible. And I'm not trying to say this to, to, to get up against you. I'm just saying we're not suffering from a lack of knowledge. We're suffering because we have not gained wisdom from the knowledge that we have concerning the things of God. Amen? So, you can have all the knowledge about how this world works, but lack wisdom on how to operate in this world. I want to make a bold statement here. As believers, we're not just called to operate in this world as everyone else does. As believers, we're not called to operate in this world the way everyone else does. The wisdom we need to operate in this world cannot come from this world if we're going to live a life worthy of the life that Jesus sacrificed for you and me. Can I say that one more time? The wisdom we need to operate in this world cannot come from this world if we're going to live a life that is worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you 
and the sacrifice Jesus made for me. Let's go uh, to our first set of scriptures here. Let's go to John, the 17th chapter. John 17, and we're going to go to the 14th verse. John 17, 14. It's a New King James Version, and I'll start reading in verse 14. This is Jesus. It's written in red. And it says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I, have, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone. This is very key. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, I want to kind of back up on this a little bit, but this is Jesus praying not only, because he just said it, he's not only praying for his disciples that are right there currently that are following him, the 12 that are following him, but he's also praying for all those that would come after him. How many of you know you are of those that have come after them? Amen. And this is what he's saying about what they need to be able to operate in this world. He says, I gave, he's talking to the father and he said, he's saying, father, I gave them your word and the world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. The world hated them because of the word of God. And it's, but then he says, I'm not praying for you to take them out of the world. I'm not praying for you to remove them out of this place where the world actually hates them. I'm just praying that you protect them from the evil one. And watch this. It says, they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. So if you're a believer, if you're a son or a daughter of the Most High God, you are not of this world. Jesus says, they're not of this world just as I'm not of this world. And it says, sanctify them by your truth. Meaning, take the truth of your word of God and purify them, sanctify them by your truth. And then he goes on and says, and your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. And then verse 20, I'm not just praying for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Why is it going to be their word? Because they have taken the word of God and made the word of God their, their word, right? And so if people are going to hear about the things of God, Jesus is praying that you would sanctify yourself, that you would do that through the wisdom of the word of God, that you would do that through uh, not, not operating the way the world operates because you're in the world, but you're not of the world, just as Jesus is not of the world. And he says, and I'm praying that they'll do this to a point where people will believe on me because of their word. Is this all right? Is this good? Well, Paul told the Romans... In uh, Romans 12, 2, this is what Paul said. So that's Jesus. But then Paul told the Romans in Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and actually the perfect will of God. 
So he's saying, don't be conformed to this world. And we're talking about wisdom. And, I, and I'll, I'll venture to say that most of us, especially me, because I'm working on this too, but we, a lot of times, we lean on the wisdom and the knowledge that we have gained by being people of this world. Amen? The thing that, that hinders your faith, because Jesus said this. Jesus said, when you're, when you're praying... If you'll pray in faith without doubting, whatever you say you have, you'll have. And actually in that, same, uh, in that same passage, he says, if you even speak to a mountain to be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done as you say. But see, that gets up against all, our worldly wisdom and knowledge because worldly wisdom and knowledge says that's impossible. But the wisdom of God says with God, nothing is impossible. Yeah. Amen? And so what gets in the way of, of us being able to operate and be as God wants us to be a lot of times is we are relying on our, our worldly wisdom and our worldly knowledge more than the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Amen? And it has to be exchanged. It doesn't happen just because you become a believer. It doesn't happen just because you get saved. The Bible says we have to renew our mind, not be conformed, but renew our mind, right? So that we can know what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. And when we exchange our worldly wisdom and our worldly knowledge for the wisdom that only comes from God, either by the word of God or by the Holy Spirit that confirms the word of God, then we are beginning to get into a place where we're not operating like the world because Jesus says, I'm praying that they wouldn't operate like the world because they're not of the world. They're in it, but they're not of the world. Is this all right? Most of the time we've used these scriptures to tell people to quit sinning. But I believe these scriptures were more important to Jesus of, I want you to begin to operate like you're in the kingdom because you're a part of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of this world anymore. Amen? And there's different things that apply to us. And the reason why it applies to us differently is because Jesus said we're not of this world. We're in it, but we're not of it. What if Jesus had just come down and he had just been like all of us, just there was nothing different about him. You know what? We'd never heard about him. But he came down to the world, but he was not of this world. He played by a different set of rules. Amen? And the, and the wisdom and the revelation that he was getting, he even said, I don't say anything unless my father says it first. And that's how he wants us to be when it comes to wisdom and revelation. Go to uh, 1 Corinthians 3. First Corinthians three. Let's see here. Listen to what Paul told the Corinthians. First Corinthians three, verse one. It says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. Now, he's not talking to unbelievers. This is a letter that was written to the church at Corinth. So, so he's preaching. He's speaking, he's writing a letter to a church, to believers. And he said, and, and, and furthermore, the more evidence of that is he says, and I, brethren, he would have not called uh, an unsaved person a brother. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. He had to actually speak to them in carnal ways. And then he goes on, he says, as 
babes in Christ. I had to speak to you like a child. I had to speak to you like a babe. I had to speak to you in carnal ways. And he goes on, he says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. So he's actually talking to them about how he started with them and now they're, able, they're starting to be able to receive some more solid food. He says, for until now you were not able to receive it and even now you're still not really able. Listen to what he goes on to say, verse three. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving, watch this, like mere men? So Paul's talking to this church. And he goes, listen, I started off having to speak to you as a carnal person and babes, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeding you milk. And, and I wasn't able to give you anything solid until now, but, then, but even now, I can't really give you anything solid because... You're being carnal. And the reason why I know you're carnal is because there's envies and there's strife. And there's contentions and there's division. And so where that is, there's carnality. And he says where there's carnality, you're behaving like mere men. And you know, the word of God demands us as Christians not to just act like mere men. Amen? It demands it. And the reason why it demands it is because we're called to a greater purpose than to just be mere men, mere humans in this earth. But we're called to a higher level of wisdom, a higher level of knowledge. We're called to operate in a higher wisdom of knowledge, a higher level of wisdom. You say, what, what does that look like practically, Pastor? I'll tell you what it looks like practically. I got a phone call that, that, that uh, and I'm not boasting on myself because I'll give you the contrast. I got a phone call a week or so ago, maybe a little over a week ago. And I did not like that phone call one bit. And in that phone call, I acted as a mere man. I acted as a mere man. Now, most of you, if I'd have told you exactly what I said, would have never thought that I said anything wrong, especially the circumstance. But when I say I, I, I let the person have it, you can ask my wife. She was in the seat ashamed. Now, I didn't cuss or anything like that. But I'm, I didn't cut the man no slack. And then I got a second phone call that I really didn't like. Just Friday. And the man asked me, do you need any more? Do, would you, do, do I need to explain anything to you or do you need to know any more information? I said, no, sir. I probably just need to get off the phone before I say something I, I regret. And he laughed at me, laughed in my face. I said, okay. Why? Well, previous, I hadn't really been studying on this. But as I'm studying on this, I'm thinking, the first time I acted as a mere man, I allowed my emotions to get to me. I allowed the injustice to get to me. And I told that person exactly probably what they needed to be told, operating in a world of just mere men. But the second time, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me. 
the mere man side of me had a lot of things that it wanted to say. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit said, that's, that's just acting like a mere man. That's acting like you're of this world. And are you of this world? Are you not of this world? I said, no, I'm of your kingdom. So therefore, I'm not going to react like people react all around me. I was, I was speaking to a, a young man not too long ago, and I'm so proud of him. He was telling me all the stuff that he's laid down, and, I, and just reminded me of myself at that age. I mean, it really did. It reminded me of myself, and he, and he was so proud, and I said, man, I'm so proud of you uh, that you've laid this down, and you've laid that down, and you've sought, and you've begun to seek after God, and, and you've got purpose in your life, I'm, I'm so, and I'm not trying to discourage you. But when I was your age, I did all that too. I laid all that down and I've never been, I've, I've never been happier than, 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 than for doing that. But I, but I want to let you know, just so you're braced for it, when, when you begin to let go of all those things that you, you think are holding you back, which are, it's the starting point, I'll say this, that that's the easy stuff. That's the easy stuff. The drinking and the drugging and the carousing and the cussing and all that stuff. That's the easy stuff. The hard stuff is when the Holy Spirit challenges you and says, if you can't forgive that person, I can't forgive you. That's the hard stuff. The hard stuff is walking in the wisdom of the kingdom of God when all you know, because all you've ever yielded to is walking in the wisdom of the world. And, you're, and you've justified yourself and you've justified our people around you justify you. And they'll say, yeah, that's what you should have did. But when the Holy Spirit convicts you and says, no, that's acting as a mere man. Then I know I'm holding myself back from the best from God when I act like a mere man. And if I'm acting as a mere man, not only am I holding the best back for myself in a, in a chain reaction, I'm holding the best back for my wife and I'm holding the best back for my kids and I'm holding the best back for my grandkids that I don't have but I will have one day. But if I continue to act as a mere man, my legacy and my home and my, and my bloodline, if you will, if it was a spiritual bloodline, will be held back by every moment that I take the opportunity to walk in the wisdom of mere men instead of the wisdom of God. Is it worth it? Is it worth it to you to hold not just yourself back, but your family back and all the people that you could reach just so that you can walk in a wisdom that you have justified and you've allowed other people around you to justify? Is it worth it? Is this all right? Paul rebukes the Corinthians for not being able to receive godly wisdom because of their spiritual immaturity. Then he tells them, verses 18 through 21, to absolutely avoid worldly wisdom. Let's read it. Verse 18, same chapter, chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. It says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, 
Wise in this age is meaning wise in this generation, wise in this day and age. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it's written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. I want to read that again because it's so good. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Now, when we think about a fool, we think of someone acting foolish, like a clown or a court jester or something like that, a comedian. But that's not what that's talking about. What that's talking about is that there is wisdom that comes from God that to the futile thinking, logically thinking, critically thinking person that is, that is a part of the world that, that absolutely understands how the world and the world system uh, uh, works to that person, some of the things that God is going to have you do because it's the wisdom of God is going to look foolish to that person. And are you willing to look foolish in the eyes of the worldly wisdom to be able to have God's wisdom? Most of the time, unless there is some kind of desperate situation, all throughout the Bible, nobody listened to godly wisdom until there was desperation. You remember? You remember the king and how, um, oh goodness, Joseph interpreted his dream? Joseph was the last resort. Because the king kept going to soothsayers and people that claimed to be wise on these things in a worldly way. But someone who was in prison with Joseph said, I know a guy who interpreted my dream and it was, it was spot on. So in desperation, the king says, get the guy up here. So when he interpreted the dream, he says, listen, this is what you're going to do. There's going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. So during the seven years of plenty, we need to be storing back at least this much. That, that man went from a prison cell to second command only to Pharaoh. Why? Did it come from worldly wisdom? No, worldly wisdom would have never known that that was going to happen. And that's the type of wisdom that God wants for you in this day and this age. But what we do is we get our wisdom from CNN and Fox News and all these other people and YouTube and all this stuff that says you need to prepare for this. You, need to, you know how many emails, you know how many messages that I've received from other Christians saying you need to go and you need to get yourself $2,500 you need to put it back and, and this whole thing's going to go down and blah, 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 blah. And you, I'm telling you, we just, uh, uh, it's like they have no hope because they're so infatuated with the wisdom of this world that they can't see that God sees everything that's coming and knows how to deal with every single thing that's coming. I'm not telling you to be unwise. I'm telling you to begin to become unwise to the worldly wisdom and begin to get your direction from the wisdom of God that's in the word of God and the Holy Spirit that dwells in you as a son or a daughter of God. Amen? 
We're doing good. We're doing good on time. One of the strongest rebukes, though, was to the Ephesians. Let's go over to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Verse 14. Now, before verse 14, Paul is telling the Ephesians that Jesus actually gave a gift to the church, and it was the fivefold ministry. And it says that the fivefold ministry was put into the church to the, for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. But then he begins to talk about the reason why the ministry is so important in the church, the, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet. And it's because it says, he, he, uh, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. So he's not saying that there won't be every wind of doctrine He's not saying that there won't be trickery of men. He's not saying that there's not cunning craftiness and deceitful plotting going on in the world and will continue to go on in the world. But what he is saying is that there, if there's not the ministry in the church to bring about correction and direction and all these different things, he's saying that as, as the children of God, we can get caught up in that and we will become tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We'll get caught up in all of that. My goodness, I, I, I'm seeing all over the place, not just, not just believers and not just baby Christians or anything like that, so I'm not being ugly. I'm, I'm seeing full-blown preachers that have been in the ministry for years and years and years being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They, they're so caught up in, in, in the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. How many you know there is some cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting going on in the world today? There are some people that have sat around some tables and they have come up and devised plans to utterly ruin everybody except for who's in their group on all sides. And Paul says, listen, I don't want you to be children any longer. I want you to grow up because you're, you're, if you're not, you're going to get tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning crafting and the deceitful plotting. Watch this. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love that you may grow up into all things into him who is the head, which is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Now watch this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. How I mean, know that's the world. You should no longer walk. Now, and the reason why he emphasized Gentiles is because these people were once Gentiles. They were, they were from Ephesus. They were not Jews. They were a part of the Gentile world. And he's saying, listen, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. That goes for you. That goes for me. When we get saved out of the world, how many of you know we should not walk as the rest of the good old boys walk? And the futility of our mind. I know it's alluring. I know it's magnified. I know it's glorified where we live. And you know what I mean. 
I'm not telling you to not be good, but we understand what the difference in good and good old boy means. It's a mentality that we're birthed into naturally because we're raised in the South. But that's why we're born again, and we're not born back into that We're born into the kingdom of God, and so therefore our mind has to change, our thoughts have to change, and we have to understand what the word of God says, not the word of our community says. Oh, I knew it was going to get quiet there, but this is the word of God. No longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Watch this, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, watch this, that you put off concerning your former conduct Conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This is a process. This is a process that our wisdom and our knowledge has begun to get exchanged from what we once knew about how we were to operate and to how God wants us to operate. I remember before I was saved, I operated under the the rules and regulations of if I didn't get caught, it never happened. Right? If mama didn't catch you, all was good. I would calculate how much I could do and think, if I could get caught or not. And if I felt like the percentage of me getting caught was greater than not caught, I wouldn't do it. But if I felt like the percentage of not getting caught was great, I would do it. And I had no conscience about that because I felt like I got away with it. That was the wisdom that I operated with as an unbeliever. But as I got saved... And as I began to allow the Holy Spirit to work on me, I began to realize that you never get away with anything. You just get forgiven of everything. And then I began to realize that as I began to get forgiven of everything, I wanted to make sure that I was honoring God by not abusing the grace of God. By saying, He'll forgive me anyway, So I might as well do what I want to do. Because then I began to see how Paul would tell people, he'd say, listen, lay aside the sins and the weights that so easily beset you so that you can run the race that God has set before you. And I began to realize that that my goal and my aim and my prize was different as a believer than it is as an unbeliever. As an unbeliever, I just want to get everything that I can and get away with all the things that I knew I did wrong. That's what I wanted. But as a believer, I wanted to honor God the most that I could with my life 
as a life that says, I'm going after the wisdom of God. I'm going after the knowledge of God. I'm going after the life that God wants me to have. And if I'm going to do that, then I've got to begin to retrain, or the Bible says, renew my mind with His Word. And I've got to let go of all the advice and all the, the ways that, that, that life circumstances taught me or people actually taught me. This is how you get away with this. This is how you get away with that. And and if I continue to operate that way, then I'm going to have a life that only my worldly wisdom can produce. But if I want a life that the wisdom of God can produce, then I've got to let go of those things and I've got to trust in the Holy Spirit and I've got to trust in the Word of God. And when I make mistakes, I've got to repent for that. And I got to say, God, I messed up right there. But I know your grace and I know your mercy. It covers that. So let me, I want to lay aside that weight. I want to lay aside that sin because it's hindering me from running the race that you've put before me. I'm, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're amening. You have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus. You put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. It's no different for us as believers today. We need to exchange our worldly wisdom for God's wisdom. Let's go back to our main verse and then we'll, we'll close. Go back to James This is the verse we started with last week. James 1, verse 5. Because when you preach stuff like this, probably automatically on the inside, you go, well, how do I, how do I get it? How do I get this? Well, James teaches us how. And we're going to continue to dig into this. But right here, James says, if you lack, if any of you, if any of you, Lack wisdom. Let him ask of God. And God will give it to you liberally without reproach. Meaning, God's no respecter of persons. It's not like he's willing to give me a special amount of wisdom that he's not willing to give you. But if you're lacking wisdom in any area of your life or for anything, if you just say, man, i got to, I got to chunk the whole mess away and I got to, I got to get all, listen, God's a God of mercy. God's a God of grace. He is the father in the prodigal son. And I love that depiction of God because it shows me that all that it takes, the, the prodigal son didn't have it all figured out. All he knew was the place that he was in right then was a pig pen. And his father's house was far better. That's all he knew. And so he just came to himself, realized that, and turned around and went back. And the Bible says as the father saw him coming from a long way off, he began to tell everybody, get prepared, my son's coming home, and he ran out to meet him. And I know that's always used as, a, as a, uh, someone who has backslidden, as we call it, or gone away from God. And I know that, that is very um, true. But I think it's that way in anything that we decide to lay down from God when we decide to go, you know what? My way hasn't worked. Or maybe it's worked a little bit, but it's not been the greatest. 
And, and I'm beginning to see here where, where, where I've just allowed all different types of influences that I've gathered up, knowledge that I've gathered up, wisdom that I've gathered up from the world, maybe, maybe from my family, maybe from people that I hung out with in school. You know, there's, there's, there's stupid stuff that hangs around in, in me, stupid wisdom that hangs around in me that, that I learned from uh, um, you know, a friend's older brother when I was in junior high. That stuff needs to go. I'm not saying I act on it, but I'm saying it's, it's knowledge and it's worldly wisdom that was passed on to me from some idiot kid who didn't know what he was talking about. It gets stuck in there if you don't purposely root it out. Some of you are young mothers and young fathers and you're still operating with a junior high or high school mentality. One of the saddest things that I ever heard was a person was not taking care of their own child, was not buying anything. The, the, her parents were, were, were doing everything. And somehow this person was going to get a, and I know this is extreme case, but talk about mentality. This person was going to get a tax return. And I heard, I heard the person in my own ears say, when I get my tax return, I'm going to get me some rims on my car. I'm going to get me a radio. Here's the saddest part of that statement. They didn't even have a car. It was ridiculous, stupid mentality from high school. And I know that I always like to give an extreme case. Because we can all see it and we all probably know people like this. But I want to bring it into your reality. What mindsets and worldly wisdom have you allowed to hang around since maybe you were a child or a young adolescent or even a young adult that you still allow to have influence in your life that is holding you back from God's best? You don't need more knowledge. You don't need more money. You don't need more influence. You don't need more time. You need more wisdom. Because if you have the right wisdom, God can maximize your money. He can maximize your time. He can maximize your efforts. But you got to be willing to look foolish sometimes in the world's eyes if you're going to be called wise with God. Amen. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.